Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Gathering My Thoughts MTG podcast. My name is Spencer, and today I'm going to be talking to you about what's on my mind about Magic the Gathering. Specifically, let's talk about a commander deck tech for one of my favorite commanders, Ink Treader Nephilim. But before we begin, let me gather my thoughts. Technically, Ink Trader Nephilim is not a legendary creature, so if you want to play him in your playgroup, you should rule zero uh, to allow Nephilim or other non-legendary creatures uh, to be able to be commanders. So, uh, for anyone who's not uh, familiar with it, Ink Trader Nephilim is a red, green, white, blue, so four mana for a 3-3 creature Nephilim that says whenever a player plays an instant or sorcery spell, if Ink Trader Nephilim is the only target of that spell, copy the spell for each other creature that spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So, what that means is that anytime you target Inktrider Nephilim with a spell, every other creature that's on the battlefield, yours and your opponents, gets affected by it. Uh, and so this counts for removal, so things like Path to Exile or Swords to Plowshares are actually uh, board wipes. But the way that we are going to use it today is with spells that have an ability called Splice into Arcane. Now, Splice into Arcane is an old mechanic from Kamigawa. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with what it does, let me read a couple examples here. Reach Through Mists is one blue for an Arcane instant. Arcane is the subtype here. And it simply says, draw a card. But Hundred Talon Strike is one white for another Arcane instant that says, target creature gets plus one plus zero and gains first strike until the end of the turn. And then beneath that it has a text that says splice into arcane, tap an untapped white creature you control. So as you play an arcane spell, you can reveal this card from your hand and pay its splice cost. If you do, you add this card's effect to that spell. So in other words, as you cast Reach Through Mists, as an additional cost to casting it, you can reveal 100 Talon Strike, pay the splice cost, and then Reach Through Mist gets to say, draw a card, like it does on the normal, on the uh, original text, as well as target creature gets plus one plus zero and gains first strike till the end of the turn. So you get to sort of build your own spell in this way. And there are splice cards that have draw a card, like we've seen. You can create 1-1 one, one creature tokens. You can prevent all combat damage. You can add mana to your mana pool. Kodama's Reach is an arcane spell that people will usually forget about because arcane has rarely ever been relevant text on Kodama's Reach. So it's a green and two other for an arcane sorcery that says search your library for up to two basic lands, put reveal those cards and put one on the battlefield tapped and the other in your hand, and then shuffle. And if you were to splice a card that said splice into arcane onto Kodama's Reach, it would have all that text and whatever else you spliced onto it. So this ability has really interesting synergies with Ink Treader Nephilim. Because if you cast a spell or splice text onto a spell you've already cast, and one or both of those abilities target Ink Treader Nephilim and only Ink Treader Nephilim, then you can copy that spell for each creature on the battlefield. And you get to copy both the original text and the spliced text. So for example, if you cast Kodama's Reach 
and then splice on the hundred talon strike that we caught that we talked about earlier that says tap an untapped white creature you control well tap ink shredder nephilim because that's a white creature and then you uh then kodama's reach gets the text target creature gets plus one plus zero and gains first strike till the end of the turn so then you target ink shredder nephilim give it plus one plus zero which is irrelevant text but then you get to copy it copy the kodama's reach for every other creature on the board which means you get to if there's 10 creatures on the board you get to search for 20 lands and put one of them or put 10 of them i guess in your hand and 10 on the battlefield tapped so in this deck there are a couple of different kinds of cards obviously the splice cards that we've talked about there are uh, 24 arcane spells and one honorary uh, arcane spell ever dream it doesn't have splice into arcane it has splice into instant and sorcery which uh, basically is the same concept except it doesn't have to be an arcane spell that you splice onto and so those are sort of the main shtick of the deck um, to go along with that though the deck would like to have a lot of creatures on the board if possible and in my opinion just about any deck can be a token deck right where they create tons and tons of tokens uh, but this deck is kind of unique in that it likes to give your opponents tokens. I thought that was just kind of a funny way to do it. And it also makes you look a little bit like the group hug deck, which can sometimes turn people's uh, targets away from you. So uh, Forbidden Orchard is secretly the best card in this deck. It's a land that says tap to add one mana of any color to your mana pool which is valuable because Ink Treader Nephilim is four colors and you often need that color fixing. But it also says whenever you tap Forbidden Orchard for mana, target opponent puts a 1-1 colorless spirit creature token into the battlefield. Typically, that could be a bit of a downside on a land because the more creatures you give your opponents, the more resources that they have to maybe beat you with. But the pros vastly outweigh the cons in this situation because pretty much every creature on the board counts as an additional copy of whatever spell you would cast because if you target ink tread or nephilim and then that gets to copy the spell for every creature on the board uh then you get uh then each one of these little one one tokens is an additional uh copy of the spell which is very valuable the deck also runs dousing dagger which is a uh, two-mana e artifact equipment. When Dowsing Dagger enters the battlefield, target opponent creates two zero-two green plant creature tokens with Defender, and then equipped creature gets plus two, plus one, and whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may transform Dowsing Dagger, and it has an equipped cost of two. Then the transformed version on the back is Lost Veil, that basically just taps to add three mana uh, of any one color to your mana pool. So. That's a great card because it gives your opponent's creatures, does all the things that we have talked about so far with giving your opponent's creatures, as well as it can ramp you uh, if you are able to connect with an opponent. So that's, that's really great. Um, and then there's a cycle of creatures in Magic from original Ravnica that we run a couple of here in this deck. Uh, cycle is sort of called the Hunted Cycle. And that comes from the name Hunted in all of their uh, all of their names. But we're running a couple of those in this deck. We're running Hunted Phantasm, which is blue, blue, and one for a 4-6 creature spirit. Uh, 
Hunted Phantasm is unblockable, and when it comes into play, you put five 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens into play under target opponent's control. So this card basically gives you six bodies on the board, one for you and five for an opponent, for three mana. Really, really strong in this deck where each body counts. And then Hunted Troll is similar. It's green, green, and two for an 8-4 creature troll warrior. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent puts four 1-1 one, one blue fairy creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield, and for a single green, you can regenerate Hunted Troll. So that that's that's the same, has the same benefits as Hunted Phantasm in that it's five bodies for four mana. One of the bodies happens to be really big, but that's rarely relevant in this deck. Uh, you don't typically want to win by beating your opponents down with this deck uh, unless you're swinging out with all of their creatures, and I'll get get to that uh, a little bit later on. Another way uh, that I found to get uh, a lot of creatures on the board is to use creature lands um, and other mana dorks in order to uh, fix your mana or ramp your mana. They basically are able to serve multiple purposes because, like I've said before, they count as a body to copy spells onto with Ink Treader Nephilim, as well as they can ramp slash fix your mana, depending on which kinds of cards we're talking about. So, for example, these first kinds of cards, the creature lands, uh, are like Needle Spires, for example. Needle Spires is a land that enters the battlefield tapped, and then you can tap it for a red or a white, and then if you pay red, white, and two, Needle Spires becomes a 2-1 red and white elemental creature token, sorry, elemental creature, with double strike until the end of the turn, it's still a land. So very similar text is on cards like Raging Ravine, Lumbering Falls, Wandering Fumeral, Stirring Wildwood, and Celestial Colonnade. Basically, they tap for two colors, and if you have the leftover mana, you can turn them into creatures. And so that's nice if you've got a little bit of extra mana, you need another copy of a spell from Ink Treader Nephilim, and, and uh, you can just spend that to turn those into a land. I also have a couple of cards that are colorless that, ha that can become creature lands that are probably more valuable, honestly. Mutavault is one of those where it can turn into a creature for a single colorless mana. It becomes a 2-2 with all creature types till the end of the turn and it can also tap for a colorless. Um, Blink Moth Nexus and Mishra's Factory are very similar effects to that in that they only cost a single colorless to activate. And that can be really valuable because it's just quite a bit easier to activate those abilities uh, when, on a turn when you need to spend a lot of mana or get a lot of copies. I also have Dryad Arbor, which is just always a creature and a land, uh, and can be searched up with Green Sun Zenith, which is kind of nice. But in addition to that, I have some creatures who are just mana dorks. When you cast a spell with Ink Treader Nephilim, it'll create a copy for each one of these, and they also help you ramp into Ink Treader Nephilim a little bit faster, or maybe some of your bigger splice into arcane combinations that can tend to be kind of mana hungry. But anyways, there's Birds of Paradise, which is a single green for a 0-1 creature bird with flying that has add one mana of any color. Noble Hierarch, very similar text, except it's a human druid with Exalted and only taps for green, white, or blue. Elvish Mystic, Lanawar Elves, and Findhorn Elves, all are single green, uh, single green mana for a 1-1 elf druid. 
uh, and they tap for a single green. Avacyn's Pilgrim is a single green 1-1 one, one human monk that adds a white. Bloom Tender that is a green and another for a 1-1 one, one elf druid with tap for each color among permanents you control, add one mana of that color to your mana pool. And then Paradise Druid is similar to that except it only adds a single mana of any color. And it has Hexproof as long as it's untapped. Rattleclaw Mystic and Druid of the Anima are both two mana mana dorks. Um, one of them taps for Temur colors and the other taps for Naya colors. And then finally, Fabro Elder is a one white, one green, and one other for a 0 0 Treefolk Druid with Vigilance. And it gets plus one plus one for each color among permanents you control. And it taps uh, for each color among permanents you control. Add one mana of that color. So basically, each one of these uh, mana dorks are either one mana or they tap for three or more colors. Because this deck, being four colors, really needs the fixing um, to be able to be effective. Nothing's worse than just getting stuck on, you know, one or two colors in a deck that needs all of them, and honestly, a lot of all the colors. So in addition to those, this deck also runs Cryptolith Rite and Ashaya Soul of the Wild, which help your creatures tap for mana, um, which are nice because, like I've said, the deck can be pretty mana hungry. Um, Leyline of Abundance is an enchantment that I run um, that if it starts in your opening hand, you can begin with it on the battlefield, and then whenever you tap a creature for mana, you add an additional green. That card can help you get out of uh, weird binds with your mana as well. Like say if you have only two colorless lands in your hand, and if one of them is Mutavault, but you also have a Leyline of Abundance, you can start with the Leyline in the battlefield, play your two colorless lands, and then use one of your colorless mana to turn on the colorless land into a creature, and then you tap the creature for mana. And since it's a creature, Leyline of Abundance then adds a green to your pool, which then, then can help you get out something like a Paradise Druid or... Uh, one of your mana dorks that can help fix your mana a little better. So things like that are just kind of cute in the deck. Um, because Forbidden Orchard is such an important card in the deck, I run Sylvan Scrying and Wargate, um, which are both cards that can help you get uh, any land out of your uh, library. And so usually those are targeting Forbidden Orchard unless you have you already have it on the battlefield and you need to go get something else. And then two other kind of unique cards in this deck that I wanted to talk about are Niv-Magus Elemental and Spellskite. I'll read them really fast and then talk about what they do. Niv-Magus Elemental's mana cost is a single hybrid is it mana for a 1-2 creature elemental. And it says, exile an instant or sorcery spell you control. Put two 1-1 counters on Niv-Magus Elemental. So basically, this card lets you exile spells off of the stack and then you can use those to pump it bigger. It's a pretty weird ability that doesn't really have a lot of homes but it happens to be really great in this deck because all of your spliced cards, your spliced spells that are on the stack that are copies, like let's say you copy Ink Treader Nephilim and make 10 copies for all the creatures on the board, each one of those are a, instants and sorceries, and B, spells that you control. So Niv-Magus Elemental can then exile those instants and sorceries because you control them even though they're copies and use them to put two 1-1 counters on itself. 
This is handy because sometimes you cast spells that target Ink Treader Nephilim, and you don't want them to resolve. Like, for example, if you deal two damage to Ink Treader Nephilim, it's going to deal two damage to each creature on the board, including all of your mana dorks and other things that are small enough to die to that damage. And you don't really want that to happen to your creatures, but you do want it to happen to your opponent's creatures. Well, Niv-Magus Elemental just eats all the copies that target your own spells, all the rest of them resolve, and your board is uh, is unaffected. Spellskite is a pretty similar card in that it's a uh, it can protect your creatures from effects that you don't want, but it's a little bit worse. Spellskite is a 2-mana 0-4 artifact creature horror, and for a single Phyrexian blue mana, you can change the target of target spell or ability to Spellskite. So this is more of a one-time effect, because if you start uh, redirecting multiple instances of deal two damage to target creature to Spellskite, Spellskite's going to die and you won't be able to do this multiple times. Um, it is valuable though because in a pinch it can also protect Ink Treader Nephilim. Uh, Ink Treader, once you start, uh, once you really get going, people realize that it should probably get removed. And in addition to that, it's actually really easy to get rid of it um, because a single, like we st said before, a single path to exile destroys or exiles Ink Treader Nephilim as well as the rest of the board. So, but Spellskite is nice because it keeps your Ink Treader alive in the instance that someone's trying to get rid of it, as well as it has the benefits that we talked about with Niv-Magus Elemental, where it can protect your side of the board from something crazy that you're doing. So even though in, uh, Splice into Arcane is a really fun ability that I really love and I'm happy that I was able to uh, build a deck around, there aren't exactly enough of them to really complete a deck. Like I said, there's about 25 of them. But there are a couple of instants and sorceries in this deck that are actually not Splice into Arcane spells. And so I'll talk about a couple of those right now because they have really powerful synergies with, with Ink Treader. So Snap and Depths of Desire are such examples. Snap is a blue and one other for an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. Untap two lands. Depths of Desire is very similar. It's a blue and two other for an instant. Return a creature to its owner's hand. Create a colorless treasure token. And so these both get to be one. Uh, they get to be board wipes. And Ink Treader Nephilim, if you target it with snap that makes a copy targeting each creature on the battlefield then when those abilities when those copies start resolving you bounce a creature and untap a land or two lands excuse me and then you can tap those two lands for mana before the next ability resolves bounces a creature you untap those two lands and then you just keep tapping the lands for each creature and you start generating mana depths of desire works similarly but instead of having to uh, instead of having to tap lands, you just get treasure tokens, which similarly get uh, nets you a bunch of mana, and let gives you the chance to rebuild before the rest of your opponents do, which is often something that you don't get to do with with board wipes. Um, Spawning breath and make mischief are two other uh, instance slash sorceries that work really well with Ink Treasure Nephilim. Spawning breath is one red and one other for an instant. It says, deal one damage to target creature or player. Put a 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token to the battlefield that has sacrificed this creature. Add a colorless to your mana pool. Make Mischief is similar. 
It's a red and two other for a sorcery, but it deals one damage to target creature or player and puts a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token onto the battlefield with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to target creature or player. So both of these can target Ink Treader Nephilim, which will then create a copy targeting each creature on the battlefield. It'll deal one damage to that creature and it'll make you a creature token. Sometimes that might uh, kill a couple of creatures, but that's not necessarily what you care about. What you want is the massive influx of creatures on the battlefield. And each of them have uh, utility beyond just being creatures. The Eldrazi can tap for mana if you need that, and the Devils, when they die, they can actually end up dealing a lot of damage to any number of targets, really, if you need, if you need that ability as well. So next I've got Fists of Flame, which is a red and another for an instant. It says, draw a card until the end of the turn. Target creature gains trample and gets plus one plus zero for each card you've drawn this turn. This card is pretty nuts because you cast it targeting Ink Treader Nephilim. And if there's 10 creatures on the board, you then get to create a copy that targets each of them. And as they resolve, you draw a card and then target creature gets plus X plus O, which is probably two at this point, because you the you just barely drew a card and you drew a card at the beginning of the turn. So that creature gets plus two plus O, and then the next, and then the, that spell resolves, and the next copy resolves. You draw a card, and that creature gets plus three plus O. Then the next spell draws you another card, and they get plus four plus O, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until you've drawn as many cards as there are creatures on the board. Not only that, when these spells start to resolve, you get to choose how the copies resolve, meaning what order they resolve in. So the last one, which is the first one you cast, is always going to be the one targeting Ink Treader Nephilim. So in this example, if you have 10 creatures on the board, including Ink Treader, there are all the copies of Fists of Flame are going to resolve, and then the original one that targeted Ink Treader Nephilim will resolve, will resolve. You'll draw a card and get plus 11 plus 0 to your Ink Treader. Um, and then you can choose which one of the copies resolve first. So probably choose your opponent so that they don't get the, the biggest power buff. Or rather, choose your own creatures to resolve. But, excuse me. Or rather, choose the copies that target your own creatures to resolve last so they can get the biggest power bump. This means that you could probably just win on your turn, if on, on the turn that you cast Fists of Flame, because... Your creatures are so gigantic, they can just hopefully swing in and, and win the game for you. The next card I have is called Rally the Righteous, and this one gets kind of complicated with Ink Treader. It's a white, a red, and one other for an instant with Radiance. It says, untap target creature and each other creature that shares a color with it. Those creatures get plus two, plus zero until the end of the turn. So, if we pair this card with something like Cryptolith Rites or Ashaya, and then you target Ink Treader Nephilim, creating a copy of a copy of Rally the Righteous for each creature on the board, then your creatures can then, you know, tap them all down for mana. And then whenever a Rally the Righteous copy resolves, if it shares, if the creature that the copy targets shares a color with one of your creatures, or all of your creatures for that matter, you can untap those creatures. Tap them down for mana, and the next one resolves. If the 
creature that the copy targets shares a color type, shares a color with one of the creatures you control, you get to untap those creatures, tap them down for mana, and go and go and go and go and go uh, until, again, you have a ton of mana and a ton of really big creatures. And that just sets up for a big combo win uh, on a turn that you're just ready to go off with. The next card I have is Kari Zev's Expertise. And Kari Zev's Expertise is another one of the best cards in this deck. It's red, red, and one for a sorcery. It says gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. And also, you may cast a card with converted mana cost two or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So typically, these sort of effects are cast on your opponent's creatures. Um, you get to gain control of them and then hit hit the opponent with its own with their own creature and it's really fun. Karizev's expertise though, it doesn't say that you can't target one of your own creatures. So if you target Ink Treader Nephilim, you create a copy that targets every creature on the board and then you gain control of those creatures and you get to cast an an instant you get to cast any spell with converted mana cost 2 or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So this one three mana card becomes the strongest insurrection you've ever cast. Really great card. Um, and it'll, it'll close out the game for you in a lot of instances. The next card, uh, a few cards here that, that I want to talk about. Another card similar to Karizev's Expertise is Electrodominance. It's red red X for an instant. Electrodominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So if you choose X to be a reasonably large number, like let's say four, um, and you target Ink Treader Nephilim, then you can create a copy of Electrodominance for each creature on the battlefield, and each of those copies use the same value of X. So if you chose four, then each copy also gets to deal four damage and you get to cast a four drop from your hand without paying its mana cost. You can also choose, you know, two or three or something that maybe won't kill Ink Treader Nephilim. But this way you just get to cast a ton of spells from your hand uh, that don't typically have flash or are instants. You can cast them at instant speed with Electro Dominance because it gets to, uh, because it is an instant and gets to cast spells without paying their mana cost. The last couple spells I want to talk about are Rite of Replication, Fractured Identity, and Supplant Form. Now, they're pretty different cards, but I wanted to talk about them because they serve very similar purposes in this deck. Rite of Replication is blue, blue, and two for a sorcery that has Kicker for five, and it says put a token into the battlefield that's a copy of target creature. If Rite of Replication was kicked, put five of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So if you cast Rite of Replication, kicked, targeting Ink Treader Nephilim, you're going to get five copies of every single creature on the battlefield. That's pretty good. You'll probably win the game, hopefully win the game from that. Fractured Identity is a blue, a white, and three other for a sorcery. Exile target non-land permanent. Each player other than its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. So this card can be a little bit of a little bit chaotic without some more 
cards to work with it, right? Because basically, everyone on the... If you target Ink Treader Nephilim, each player gets one copy of every other player's creatures. That means that you give your stuff to your opponents. You don't really want to do that because your deck is built around working well with your stuff. And so something like we had talked about earlier with like a Spellskite or a um, Niv Magus Elemental can make that really good. Or if you have a way to pair Fractured Identity with Ride of Replication, that could be really great. Or something like Akari Zev's Expertise that we just talked about. Or something like this card, Supplant Form. Blue, blue, and four for an instant. Return target creature to its owner's hand. You put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that creature. So this, again, is like the bounce spells that we talked about earlier where you get to sort of uh, rebuild faster than everybody else because you bounce. If you target Ink Treader Nephilim, you'll copy the spell for each creature on the board, bounce all of those creatures, and then you get a copy of every creature. And then they, none of them have haste, so you do have to wait a turn, but hopefully from there you'll be able to win the game. So those are just sort of some miscellaneous instants and sorceries that are pretty cool with Ink Treader Nephilim. There's one last sort of category of cards for this deck, and they're just sort of random. <laughs> they, they all have pretty unique effects, and they sort of synergize with what the deck is doing. Um, honestly, some of them are very important pieces of the deck, but... Uh, they they are not really they don't really have a category like the other cards do. I guess I'll just get started here. The the first one is Thassa's Oracle. One of the funny parts about this deck is that it ha has a habit of accidentally drawing the whole deck, um, which is really cool and fun. But if you don't have something like a Thassa's Oracle, you can lose the game by accident, and You'll go down in a blaze of glory, but you will lose. So Thassa's Oracle is a cool card that will uh, help mitigate that a little bit, and it can also be cast at instant speed with an Electro-Dominance. So if you find that you're drawing out your whole deck and you're really in trouble, as long as you have Red Red and two other, you'll be able to win with Thassa's Oracle. Natural Affinity is the next card. It's a green and two others for an instant, and it says, until end of turn, all lands become 2-2 creatures that are still lands. So this, honestly, is a little bit mean. I'm, I'm going to be straight about that. It turns all your everyone's lands into creatures, not just yours. It says all lands. And so your opponent's lands become 2-2s, your lands are 2-2s, and then if you have something like a Karizev's Expertise, or a supplant form, or something like that. You just get to steal all your opponent's lands, and then hopefully just win the game from there. But um, if not, uh, if you don't win, then they are left without lands in some instances, and that feels pretty bad. The next card is Jeskai Ascendancy, a blue, a red, and a white for an enchantment that says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one till the end of the turn, and most importantly, untap those creatures. Then whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you can draw a card. If you do, discard a card. This card is similar to what we were talking about earlier with Rally the Righteous, where if you have a bunch of mana dorks on the board, or man lands, or if you happen to turn all of your lands into creatures, then whenever you cast a splice into arcane spell, not only does it have all the abilities that it already has, but it also gives your creatures plus one, plus one, it untaps them and lets them tap for more mana, and it lets you draw a card and discard a card. So 
all of those are really powerful and really synergistic with the deck. And once you get a Jeskai Ascendancy, um, hopefully you'll be able to wrap the game up pretty quickly. The next card is Feather the Redeemed, and this card is really special to the deck because this deck originally started as a Feather deck. Once upon a time, Feather was released, and I fell in love with her and tried to build a deck around Feather. And I noticed that Feather has a really cool interaction with these Splice into Arcane spells, because as anyone who's ever played Feather knows, uh, you create a lot of card advantage in the sense that your spells never really leave your hand. You just get uh, keep casting the same spells over and over because she keeps bringing them back to your hand. She has a cool synergy with the Splice into Arcane spells, but Red and White has a very limited uh, quantity and quality to the Splice into Arcane spells that are available. So I started looking for more for other commanders that have more colors in them, and eventually found Ink Trader Nephilim that has another interesting kind of interaction with Splice into Arcane. Uh, but is not a legendary creature like we've talked about before. So if, if your playgroup is willing to let you play Ink Treader Nephilim, it has all the colors to make your Feather Splice into Arcane deck work really well. Um, I guess I didn't ever read Feather. Let me read her here. She's white, white, and red for a 3-4 legendary creature Angel with Flying. When you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, she basically lets you cast your instants and sorceries, your splice into arcane spells, etc. Um, and then never lose them. They'll just keep coming back to your hand so that you can cast them again and again on subsequent turns. Then the next card that's really good in this deck is called Willbreaker. It's blue, blue, and three for a 2-3 creature, human wizard. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes the target of a spell or ability you control, gain control of that creature for as long as you control Willbreaker. As we've said before, Ink Treader Nephilim, if it becomes the target of a spell, it creates a copy, and it specifically says each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So, if you cast any old spell targeting Ink Treader Nephilim with Willbreaker on the battlefield, it creates a, a copy for each creature on the battlefield, targeting that copy, and then Willbreaker says you get to gain control of all of those creatures for as long as you control Willbreaker. So again, it's sort of an insurrection effect where you get to gain control of all your opponent's creatures. Hopefully you can win from there, but, but that is another really powerful ability. Next one we've got here is Possibility Storm, and this is another pretty mean card um, that is typically used in stacks decks, but is pretty powerful in this deck because you are allowed to break parity with uh, the stacks pieces. And so let me read it here. It's red, red, and three for an enchantment. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it, then exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then he or she puts all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of his or her library in a random order. So honestly, this is one of my favorite cards, but it's really hard to understand. So let me explain it here. Let's say you cast a creature spell with Possibility Storm on the battlefield. Possibility Storm doesn't let you cast that creature. You never get to cast it. It gets to go on the bottom of your library. But instead of casting it, you reveal cards from your deck until you find a different creature. Then you cast the second creature, 
and put the cards, the other cards that you revealed on the bottom with the original card. So basically this card makes it incredibly difficult for your opponents to interact with your stuff because if they have a removal spell in their hand, they don't actually get to cast that removal spell. They get to cast the next spell that shares a card type with it in their library, which is really makes it really tough to actually uh, strategize really in any way. The reason that this card is good with Ink Treader Nephilim is because when you cast an instant or sorcery that targets Ink Treader Nephilim, two triggers go on the stack. First, the possibility storm trigger that makes you cast a different spell, but the second one is Ink Treader's ability itself that creates a copy for every creature on the board. When you do that, all of those copies are going to resolve. So if you have a splice spell that targets Ink Treader and draws you a card, then you get to draw a card for each creature on the board, minus Ink Treader Nephilim, and then you spin into whatever the next uh, instant or sorcery, whatever it was, comes up from your deck. Meanwhile, your opponents are desperately trying to cast something that's relevant to the game, and so it can kind of slow them down and break parity there so you can uh, build up and hopefully win again. And then lastly, the deck has a bunch of gold lands because, as we've said, Ink Treader needs a lot of colors. So Command Tower, Mana Confluence, City of Brass, Exotic Orchard, Grand Coliseum, Reflecting Pool, some Tri-Lands, Basaju, who shelters all, which is a legendary land that comes into play tapped, and it says tap and pay two life, add one colorless mana to your mana pool. If that mana would be spent to cast an instant or sorcery, that spell can't be countered by spells or abilities. So Basaju is just a really nice uh, safety net there, so just in case somebody wants to counter a big game-winning spell, they can't do that. And then Reliquary Tower, because like I said, you tend to draw a lot of cards, and a bunch of basics that are mostly forests, so that you can uh, cast your mana dorks and other green spells uh, consistently. So. And that's pretty much the deck. Uh, let me know if you like it or what sort of questions or recommendations you might have. You can find me on Twitter at uh, again underscore penguin, or you can find me on Instagram where I'm pretty active, altering cards once in a while or plugging my other articles. Uh, you can find me there at dpenguin again, or like I say, on cardgamebase.com. I write articles about the commander format uh, and hopefully... You can find some interesting stuff there as well. So otherwise, thanks so much for listening today, and I will talk to you next time.